0: Welcome to another edition of Old School Guns, the podcast that tells you exactly like it is. And this is our 113th episode, number 113. And if you have any questions or comments, you can always leave them in the comments section on Podbean, which is our primary carrier. And you can also email them to me at kbmakel, at aol.com. And, whoo, boy, has it been a week or what? Let's go over some of this stuff first. We have very, very troubling revelations from the highest levels of our government that a guy who I've talked about on this podcast before, Silly Mark Milley, Silly Marky Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the man's a disgrace. The Afghanistan thing—he should have lost his job over that. Um, the other questionable decisions that have that have been made, and things he said, things he's done—he, this guy is clearly, as Barack Obama would say, he's on the JV team. This guy's a JV. He he cannot operate at the highest levels of government, and the revelations are that he somehow was committing some sort of an act to keep the nuclear codes away from the commander-in-chief, who was Donald Trump, and he also made uh, calls to the head of the, Red, the People's Liberation Army, I guess it is, in the Red Chinese Government, and Basically, told him, Hey, our you know, if we attack you, we'll war, I'll warn you. Blah blah blah. This is craziness. First of all, here's what's insane about it M- Millie is nothing more than a stooge and an operative of the Democratic Party. Because anybody who looks back over the four years between January 2017 and January 2021, uh, Donald Trump was basically the first president not to start a war or continue wars since Jimmy Carter. All Trump did was, remember back in 2016, people thought we were going to be in a shooting war with North Korea. Trump defused that. He held a summit with the little pudgy guy from North Korea and, and basically diffused that. It's starting to get bad again because you know we haven't we haven't done the things that we needed to do, but um, you know he he defused that. He went in and cleaned up the ISIS mess that Obama Biden left. You know where they basically handed over Iraq to ISIS. He basically had a conditions based agreement to leave Afghanistan, which of course Biden has screwed up. Um, so Trump was not a warmonger Trump was in fact uh, more of a dove than a hawk I mean he wanted to disengage from some of this he wanted to pull remember he wanted to pull troops out of Syria and Mattis an apparatchik and another stooge an apparatchik of the forever war uh, keep military engagement going keep keep all my friends in contracts you know, that guy basically said, Oh no, can't do that and Trump had to fire him because essentially Mattis was too stupid to understand we're trying to clean up these messes and then withdraw. We cannot garrison the world as a way to to keep peace and to keep terrorism at bay. And it goes back to my earlier comments that essentially the world had needs to wake up, at least the intelligent part of it, the first world, um, needs to wake up and realize that there are places that are ungovernable and need to be administered, and the UN is about the only way to do that, and there needs to be a rotating UN force in these countries that, that uh, fight terrorism and, and keep, keep the corruption <laughs> down to acceptable levels. And, you know, it kind of administer the country so that you have at least a, a modicum of civil rights, human rights, and and people aren't just being enslaved and abused. I mean, that's so they don't govern themselves, so they don't have vote. Well, that's, that's okay. They'll be treated better. They'll live in a better place. But there are people who are against that for a variety of reasons. And one of the reasons is money, you know our treasury we have pumped billions and billions as as carl sagan would say billions and billions um, into these into these operations that lasted 20 years and in afghanistan we got nothing for it and in fact the apologists are saying well you know we we lost we didn't lose 90 billion dollars worth of equipment because some of the airplanes escaped and a bunch of them were 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 uh, sabotaged and blah 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 but i guarantee you that if you had to buy all the rifles ammunition and all the other equipment you know the handguns the mraps the hummers the helicopters all that stuff if you had to buy that even you at used prices today you would probably spend more than 90 billion dollars we have just since world war ii this is the biggest transfer of arms To another country and and guess what it's to an to an enemy we have under biden we have transferred 90 billion dollars to an enemy country an enemy country that's just amazing and millie and austin still have jobs um you know I, i looked at them at their press conference millie and austin look like they should be you know they don't look like they should be managing the strongest military apparatus in the world. They look like they should be managing, you know, the shoe department in Sears. You know, I mean, that's literally what they look like. I mean, that's that's the kind of guy who they just don't look like they have anything. I mean, I respect garbage men more than I respect Millie and Austin. And you know what the, you know what the sad part is? Even if they fired both of them, those guys are going to get about, and I'll tell you this right now. Think about this. They're going to get three. They get three hundred thousand dollars a year in retirement. That's what a four-star general gets. And Austin is a retired four-star general, and now he's the Secretary of Defense. Milley is a four-star general. When he retires, he's bringing in three hundred k a year, doing nothing, nothing. I mean, think about that. Think about what you make, and think about think about that, and think about the job they do. Incompetence serial bungling, lying, treason, usurping the civilian control of the government of the United States. If you don't like Donald Trump, I I get that. Millie, Millie doesn't like Donald Trump. Okay, well, he can resign or he can suck it up and deal with it, but you don't usurp the duly elected president of the United States. Silly Mark Milley, and God, I hate even saying his name because I feel like I need to brush my teeth and take a shower after even, even mentioning that punk's name. He is a disgrace to his uniform. He is a disgrace to the army. He is a disgrace to his nation. He has committed questionable acts which are being essentially called treason treason that is serious that is serious and i don't know what kind of defense he can raise the facts seem to be pretty clear cut but he may go on trial for treason this is serious and i hope they strip everything from him so that he he doesn't get the big retirement and everything else what he has done is an unconscionable breach of the founding principles of our country unconscionable breach a disgrace an absolute disgrace and you know this is not this is just not all in in isolation this is part of a bigger plan the democrats are scared of donald trump they are scared that he is going to run in 2024 and they know that if it's a fair election he'll win they won't necessarily have the COVID the COVID stuff uh, going on so they can stuff ballot boxes and steal an election it'll be a lot harder to steal 2024 than it was 2020 why do you think they're pushing this voting rights deal so hard because you know in there there's going to be all kinds of little provisos that are going to allow them to steal elections and if we never have a fair election in this country, we, never, we don't have a country. They are scared of Trump. And it fits into the mantra of, they know everybody can see Biden is a senile old man that can't do the job. He's, he's a bungler. He had bad judgment to begin with, even when he had mental powers. But now his decline is so precipitous, just in the last eight months, his mental decline is is you can see it it's measurable and they know they know that the only thing they can do to they can't hide that so what they're trying to say is oh, but trump trump's mentally ill he's worse so as bad as Biden is, he's better than this mentally ill Trump who is this unstable crazy guy who is going to start a war, bo- you know, after he lost the election. None of that is true. And they're 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 saying the lot this is this is Nazi propaganda. This is Joseph Goebbels. Nancy Pelosi is Joseph Goebbels. And uh, she's probably a lot worse in many ways, too. She's probably a lot, lot worse. This is Nazi propaganda. These are the kind of lies the Nazis would tell. Yeah, Poland attacked us in 1939. So we had to go, you know, defend our border and wound up taking over the place. That's the kind of Nazi lies that the Democrats are saying. And you see it with Jen Psaki, Jen Psaki or whatever her name is. Uh, just a lying apparatchik with no, absolutely no dedication to the truth, no morals, no virtue, no courage. Um, we we live in a in a country now where courage is disdained. It's better to run from the Taliban than fight them. You know, Biden saying, "Well, I had a choice. I could, I could send more people over there and kick their butts, or run away." he chose to run away he's a coward he unilaterally and unconditionally surrendered an ally in the field and he ceded the field of battle to an enemy and in the process managed to arm the enemy with very with billions of dollars tens of billions maybe even a hundred billion dollars worth of weapons that is not the action those are not the actions of a president those are the actions of a feckless coward who is not worthy of any office much less the highest one so that brings me to the next the next deal um hey it is time to get serious this country is in a toilet right now and i don't know how 2022 or 2024 is going to going to work out. I hope that it works out a lot better than it is now. I hope that the election stealing is over and that uh, control is turned back to people who have who may not be perfect, but at least they have, you know, a semblance of reality. But the country is in the toilet and you're going to start seeing it. You're starting to see, you know, the crime waves, And inflation is just going to make that worse. Uh, You know, we have not heard the last of Antifa and Black Lives Matter. They may be right now. I think they are holding off until the 2022 election because I think they've gotten their marching orders from their handlers in the Democratic Party that, hey, you know, don't make us look bad so they're they're holding off a little bit right now but the threat is out there and they are um they are formidable foes make no mistake they are formidable foes because the legal apparatus will be turned and used in their favor instead of the favor of people who are just trying to defend themselves and say their businesses um it is a it is a hideous, ugly situation we find ourselves in. So it's time to get serious. The country is in a toilet, and I don't know what it's going to take to get out, but I'm hoping that the next two elections turn things around and then some sanity can be brought in to restore, restore, you know, the, the freedom and other things. You see the Nazi, the Nazi COVID, you know, I call them mask holes, people who want everybody to wear a mask forever. I mean, they'll tell you, and and even Biden said it. Biden is such a liar. He said, we're going to protect the vaccinated people from the unvaccinated people. Well, if that's true, that means the vaccine doesn't work. And if the vaccines don't work, tell me, tell me my vaccine does not work because I need to know don't tell me it works and that everybody needs to be vaccinated but somehow if i'm vaccinated i need to be protected from the unvaccinated it seems to me the only logic if, if you had to reconstruct that argument to make it any sense at all he's trying to protect vulnerable unvaccinated people from unvaccinated people who could take the vaccine because there are some people that cannot take the vaccine um, due to you know medical conditions and allergies and and a few other age and a few other things so if he's trying to protect those unvaccinated people from unvaccinated people who who may be carrying the the covid strain that would at least make a little bit of sense but that's not what he said he said specifically i'm trying to protect vaccinated people from the unvaccinated that tells me that He doesn't think the vaccine works, even though he's pushing it, which is, again, the actions of a complete liar and also a fool and a senile and everything else that that pathetic human being is. Okay, let's get into some better stuff. We've already covered that. And I mean, hey, you can see you can see a lot of this stuff everywhere. I I really shouldn't do politics although i just i just find that uh, it's so compelling because one of the two th- one of the things that's that's under threat is of course the second amendment but i think i think biden's been knocked back on his heels hard enough now um on a couple of couple of things so that he's not they're not pushing that but they're going to push it under the table but overtly pushing it is is not working out so well so uh, let's see. Oh, I told you about the powder coating. Um, I tried to do powder coating. It turned out to be an epic fail. Um, I used Harbor Freight powder coat because that was the only stuff I could kind of buy locally. And, and some of the people on YouTube had used it, but it, it did not work out for me. I wound up with something that looked like animal droppings instead of bullets. So... <laughs> Uh, we'll go back to the drawing board on that. I, I've watched a few more videos now, and I think I can uh, modify my technique and improve it somewhat so I can I can do that. Plus, I've got some other powder coat paint, uh, the stuff that's been very successful uh, on order. So that should be arriving here in the next week or so. So that's there'll be another update on powder coating, and maybe the uh, second attempt will work a lot better. Uh, another another exciting thing is of course we have a little bit of land and we we go up on it you know almost weekly and so we decided that uh, i usually carry a heavy caliber handgun um, something usually 45 caliber or 44 special but um, you know I, I just carry around but um, my spouse of course is smaller than I am and she wanted something that she could handle a lot easier and we decided on a Ruger Wrangler which is the you know it's it's kind of the the aluminum and bronze I guess version of a single six um, it's a very very well made gun uh, for something that lists for about200 dollars um, it's quite a bargain actually it's quite a bargain it's backed by you know Ruger which has excellent customer service at least in my uh, experience and you know uh, it's that durable Ruger single action design which is which is excellent and what I like about it especially is it's got a Cerakote finish so I don't really care what the metal underneath is made out of because the Cerakote is a very very good finish it's kinda like a super parkerizing and it doesn't wear very much um, so you can carry the gun around in a holster and it's not gonna have all the finish rub off you know a lot of people compare it unfavorably to the single six uh, I had a single six for years and years and years um, it's a good gun but you know it's kind of an expensive gun nowadays it's, it's almost seven hundred dollars well at least six hundred dollars and that's just too much for a a gun that you're gonna carry around on a daily basis while you're doing farm chores and everything else where you want a firearm and um, but you don't necessarily need something that's finished that nicely um, something that's going to depreciate in value all of a sudden your $600 gun is going to be worth $250 because you've worn the finish off it and and everything else whereas this gun is seems to be pretty much impervious to that and it's a low cost to begin with it is definitely what you would call a working gun and um... you know we're really i'm i'm very excited about it and uh... looking forward to putting a lot of rounds through it to see how it performs but so far it's been excellent and i think it's a uh, I think it's a real winner there's no reason to buy a high point even though they come in you know center fire calibers there's no reason to buy a high point if you can buy one of these uh... we're living in the era where you know everyone should have a gun everyone should have a gun of some type and if you're an older person don't buy a high point buy the ruger wrangler it's very safe it holds six shots yes it's twenty two rimfire but you know what that's not an evil thing Um that's not an evil thing and having a gun even a twenty two is sometimes a lot better than having nothing And it's also a lot better than having a gun that is not particularly reliable or a gun that's difficult to operate. And face it, a single action revolver is very straightforward, simple to operate. Um, I know a lot of people who, uh, I don't know a lot of people, but there are a lot of people who like high points. To them, I say, go for it. For for my money, I, I don't see the value in them. I just see them as... You know, kind of the liberator pistol of the uh, 21st century. I, I just don't see it see it as being a good a good deal. I'd much rather have a Ruger Wrangler than a 9-millimeter High Point. That's just the way it goes. Another interesting thing at a uh, at a club event, I got to look at a six mil, some six millimeter arc cartridges and uh, I was discussing the guy showing it to me we had a discussion about it and uh, it's a very interesting cartridge and he asked me what I thought about it so here here's kind of a distillation of my thoughts um I'm sure that it's first of all it's optimized for the AR-15 not AR-10 but AR-15 lower receiver and and upper Uh, you do need to have a, a different bolt and a few things six millimeter has been a cartridge that you know a lot of people have been interested in militarily for a long time going back all the way to the six millimeter uh uh, lee navy rifles in the 1890s to you know they uh after the vietnam war they were looking at six millimeter squad automatic weapons at least at least on the surface they were kind of looking at that um a lot of people have argued that the 243 Winchester would make a great military cartridge. You know, I can't say that it wouldn't. Uh, so a 6mm has been kind of interesting out there and, uh, you know, my, my real viewpoint on that is though, um, anytime you deviate from 556 five, you have to ask yourself the big, the big W, why am I doing this? Does it give you longer range? does it give you better ballistics does it give you better terminal performance on the target and for almost every one of these cartridges 300 blackout and, and all the rest of these the answer is it, it may have an advantage on paper but in the real world shooting at real things 556 is still the way to go I still believe that I think 556 is a great cartridge and everything has been optimized look at you know we have so many great magazines for 556 we have all the you know we have all the product improvements that have been made over you know almost 60 years now for 556 and um, you know a lot of development and refinement has gone into that so something that comes out new uh, may not have anywhere near that kind of stuff behind it, the, the R&D and the product improvement the other thing I always find is funny and this was the case with 300 blackout and, and I'm sure a 6mm arc is the same way, they always say what well, can you use AR-15 556 magazines and the answer is, well it, it almost, that almost never works out, they almost have to come up with another magazine for the new cartridge because there are just some design nuances that don't that aren't accounted for when you just stuff a cartridge in a 5.56 magazine it's never quite as reliable as what you would want a tactical combat cartridge to be so why would you do that why would you why would you do that Um, why deviate away from 5.56 and even within 5.56 I stay with the 55 grain bullets because that's what messes people up at combat ranges better than the 62 grain bullet 62 grain bullet is slower and it's more stable so it doesn't have the terminal effect on the target that that i'm looking for um so that's that's what i kind of kind of go with if anything other than the 55 grain 556 um i just kind of look at and shake my head now this might be a very cool rifle for some sort of specific use but i just haven't thought of what that use is sometimes just because something exists and has a cool factor does not mean that it's a great answer for anything and when the cool factor wears off then it's you know just like the cool factors worn off a 300 blackout i mean face it it's it's around but the cool factor has worn off it because people realize its limitations and i think the same thing with six millimeter arc i think there's no way you're going to get a 30-round magazine for it unless you get something that's giganto and that's basically become the standard for a fighting rifle these days it's, it's got to have a 30-round magazine a 20-round magazine is insufficient You can argue that point but that's true um... so i don't think i think the cartridge is the proportions of the cartridge do not lend itself to high capacity for combat use Um you know possibly possibly in restricted states if you can only have 10 rounds maybe six millimeter arc is something that you would say i'd rather have these the additional power from this than a 556 although i think that when you're shooting real targets it's not going to matter but you know there could be you could at least make a theoretical argument that that if i have to have fewer cartridges that i want more powerful cartridges We'll actually talk about that a little later on, too. Uh, so we've covered, covered those three things. Uh, I read an article, and it was about dying cartridges. And we talked about this a few podcasts ago. And, you know, basically, I, I read it, and, you know, it was inferior. You know, of the first dying cartridge they talked about was the 25 ACP. And they're right. The 25 ACP is not a great cartridge, but it was never designed to be a great cartridge. It was designed to fit in the very smallest of handguns. And even into the 70s and I assume the 80s, probably not today, but people who had deep concealment needs, I mean deep concealment needs, a 25 ACP was a great cartridge for that because the guns were tiny Uh, pick up a Browning baby or a little Colt um, 1908 um, or the you know the modern more modern ones the 25 ACP can be put in some very very small guns now their argument was well the 22 long rifle is is actually better and I would say for that purpose it is not and here's why because 25 acp is a center fire and it actually uses a large pistol primer <laughs> shows you that uh, the primer probably helps push the bullet as much as the powder does but those those little guns are almost always striker fired and whether it be the little astras the little colts the little brownings and, and face it, you can have problems with a striker fired .22 in a gun that small, that it just, does that firing pin have enough oomph to strike the rim of that cartridge and ignite the cartridge in a rimfire? And they, they have found that actually the, that is a problem, and that's why the twenty five ACP has survived in those guns, because it goes off when the twenty two sometimes will not and so it's easier to ignite that large pistol primer than it is to ignite a rimfire cartridge just that simple so it it is around i mean i remember cops used to carry them as a second or even third gun because that's it's better than nothing it's better than no gun if somehow your your other two weapons are incapacitated at least you have that or if someone was a detective undercover type guy uh, doesn't look like a police gun looks like a gun that might be carried around in the sketchy parts of town but it's not a gun people can find on you easily so you're not conspicuously armed obviously same thing with people who choose to go armed in environments where uh, carrying a weapon is prohibited or at least strongly discouraged, and they don't want people to know that they have it. So it's it's always been a very good gun for that. Always been very very good, and so that's why 25 ACPs survive, and why there probably is still a market for them today. Uh, 32 ACP. Uh, basically, their their belief was the 32 ACP was made obsolete by the 380. So why do we have it? the answer is because there's not a width of difference between a 32 and a 380 out of a short-barreled gun Um, when you're shooting at something real on paper over a chronograph nobody cares about that where is the measurable effect and there's no measurable difference between the two on a target that's that's gonna make a difference they are both um, kind of weak cartridges but they also have some advantages and the advantages are light recoil and light recoil is something good it's better to hit with something like that and i mean if you've ever shot a walther pp or a ppk in 32 it is a very pleasurable experience it's a pleasure it's a nice gun to shoot and a lot of times that's better than a gun that's uncomfortable to shoot because of recoil so you know, 32 acp will be around it is a good solid dependable cartridge not the most powerful but it does have some advantages what it lacks in power it makes up for in controllability shootability doesn't have an obnoxious muzzle blast um, very good gun in many ways very good cartridge they also say the 40 smith and wesson is going i think in service automatics that may be true Um, at one time at the late 90s they there was a a lot of thinking that the army should u.s military should adopt the 40 smith and wesson that's not a bad that's not a bad uh, uh, thing because more powerful than the nine mil you're firing you have to be careful when you talk about 40 smith and wesson versus nine millimeter because of the, the the canard thrown out as well, all this great 9mm ammo is out there that's all modern and it expands and it's great, but the vast, vast, vast majority of 9mm ammo sold is full metal jacket, you know, military style stuff. So, you know, the the the, the people probably in the know are using the better stuff, but a lot of people are not. And, you know, John Q. Public goes in and he sees the what used to be in twenty nineteen anyway, the nine dollar a box Tull ammo, and then he sees the twenty-eight dollar a box Remington, you know, Golden Saber or whatever. Or whatever, you know, whatever high speed nine millimeters out there. John Q Public has got a wife and kids to feed. John Q Public says nine millimeter B nine millimeter. And so his shopping bag has got the tall lambo in it and not the higher speed stuff it's just the way it is it's just the way it is um so 40 smith and wesson is is a great you know when you're talking about full patch full patch bullets it's bigger it hits harder it's nice so it would have been a good military round um It's not such so great a police round because, you know, they're looking for capacity, they have more diversity, some smaller people in police departments that have a harder time with 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 guns that recoil a lot. They also have a lot of people who who could be very big and aren't shooters and they don't like recoil because they're not experienced. So it it kind of fell out of police usage where I think it's going to come back. And this will be interesting there will be and it may be Kimber who's now making revolvers might be Ruger and it might be Smith & Wesson somebody will come out with a five or six shot 40 Smith & Wesson revolver that feeds with moon clips and that will be very popular in states like California and New York and other places where they have insane magazine restrictions so for restricted people people not living in free america but people living in occupied america that might be a super good option if i lived in new york i would think that's a super good option you know massachusetts is probably another place you know any of these any of these blue states that would be you know hey, a five shot revolver five shot snub nose revolver 40 smith and wesson we'll see if they take me up on it Another thing that's dying, which I agree with, are 32 caliber revolver rounds. You know, holdovers from the 1800s. Basically, um, 32 H&R Magnum, good cartridge, but it doesn't have a lot of use because it's it's powerful, but it's still a 32. And the 327 Federal is even more powerful, a lot more powerful, as a matter of fact. But people don't hunt, you don't hunt a deer with a 32 or 327 Federal. You just don't. Not a lot of people are making guns for them, if anybody, anymore. And uh, as cool as they would be and as good as they would be, uh, you know, you have a problem sometimes. You think, well, for people who are recoil sensitive, they might like these 32, you know, improved 32 revolver rounds. Um, 327 is gonna have too much muzzle blast and nobody's gonna and like my spouse would not use it she would say forget it I don't like this um, 32 H&R possibly but they're gonna put it probably in a gun that is that is dimensioned for a 38 special which means that the chambers are gonna be smaller which means there's more meat in the cylinder which makes the gun heavier which defeats the purpose of the gun you kind of need a lightweight gun to do that and you know i don't I don't know i think it's just too many moving pieces it's just not popular a 38 special is just such a better option 38 special plus p 38 special and if you really want to you know step it up 357 magnum and those and and that's 38 357 have buried the 32 um and the 327 just buried them uh, another one that I think is actually in trouble and is is possibly yeah I think it really you could call it a dying cartridge is thirty eight it's one of my favorites but the thirty eight super face it um number one it only kind of fits in nineteen eleven duty style guns you know, bigger grip guns, guns usually that are designed around the forty-five cartridge. Uh, Glock and the modern manufacturers, you know, Smith & Wesson and SIG are not making a 38 Super. That's That tells you something right there. And the other thing is it has not, even though there's all these great 9mm bullets, um, that technology has not transferred over to the .38 Super so when you can find the ammo which is tough it's usually full patch you know like 130 grain full metal jacket and there you go you know that's it so 38 super uh what 38 super probably would have died out 30 or 40 years ago if it hadn't been for um ispc international ipsc um because basically it was a rule beater you could hot rod it hot loaded enough to make major uh caliber and you know you, you it was a way around all their their goofy rules so um and you could put it in a the, remember the old wide body 1911s you know and you could you you could actually get a magazine that held 16 or 17 of these things so it was a game as a gamer gun cartridge it 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 enjoyed a big renaissance but it is now just kind of fading into nostalgia which is too bad because it's a cool cartridge but it's it's never going to be a revolver cartridge because 38 357 are there uh it's never going to but smith and wesson had tried that i remember they had a full moon clip loading uh uh 38 super for a short time anyway they were very cool guns um i got to fire one they're very very cool guns but um you know it's just no market for that so the 38 super is probably in real trouble and that kind of covers the handgun cartridges that's all they talked about i think other things that are dying out and this is a lot more controversial but the long-action hunting rifle cartridges are going to die out Um, a few like 300 winchester magnum will be around but really 30-06, 270, anything based on the 30-06 cartridge, whether it be necked up or neck down, um, those are gone. Those are gone. Um, The 308, because it's a short action round, will will stay around, but anything in the long actions is going to be gone or just a nostalgia piece. You know, that's... You're, the 257 Roberts will, will be a handloader-only proposition, or what was the other one? The 250 Newton. All the Weatherby cartridges are are, are dead ducks, you know. I mean, um, that's just the way it is. It's just the way the way it all is. A lot of the traditional hunting cartridges. I will also make a bold prediction and say probably five years from now. Almost half, if not half, the ammo made for .30-06 will be made as M2 military-style ammo to accommodate all the Garands out there, all the Springfields and 1917s and all the old military rifles, because it won't be that popular as a hunting round. It was the dominant hunting round for decades and decades and decades, but I think that's going to slip, and I think it will become much less popular, and I will think at some point, um, it will never completely go away just because of the number of hunting rifles made for it, but most of the ammo will be will be ball-style ammo that will be made for it. So that's my guess on that. Okay, Uh we spent a lot of time on that, but we're now going to go into my favorite part of the podcast, which is questions and answers. And we got a we got a bunch of good questions here. The first one have you seen Panther Arms AR style shotguns and the AK style shotguns? What do you think? Well, I'm not really sure. I've never fired one. I've handled them. I've never fired one. Um shotgun 12 gauge shotgun shells were never made never designed to function in a semi-automatic gun they do and they have successfully in sporting style guns but they were they're they're just not made for that they got kind of a stingy rim it's it's a full rim design it's not like it's rimless and an extractor can grab into that little groove um so it's it's the cartridge is not ideally suited for a semi-automatic action Um, there's always a problem these types of things usually feed from some sort of polymer cheapo magazines and as we all know most malfunctions are magazine induced you know just that's what it is most of them are magazine induced so when you have cheapo magazines and a cartridge not really designed for a semi-automatic format, uh, that's probably going to be some reliability problem, potential reliability problems. Um, that being said, they certainly look futuristic, and there, there's several different models, like they're different AR looking ones, and they all kind of look like space guns, you know. they. I, I like the sci-fi look of it, all that. I think that's cool. And, and I think the AK shotguns, especially if you have the an awesome-looking muzzle brake on them. I think those things are just—they're aw- just so cool-looking. Um, I don't know how they perform. Would I buy one for self-defense? I might. I might. If I bought one for self-defense, it would be with the caveat that I'm just going to take this thing and test it, and it's going to have to prove to be reliable. Um, and if it's not, I'm going to have something else. It's—it's um, it's a lo- It's—you can find the cheapo pump shotguns for 200 to 220 dollars so these cost about twice as much um, I like them and I would prob I would use them if I if if I was convinced it had the reliability that that I really require so that's what I think of those I think they do look badass and I think the A, the AK one especially looks seriously badass. It looks like you're shooting a 50 caliber AK or something. And but but be, keep in mind these things only hold about ten rounds, so they're not, you know, that that long magazine that comes out of the bottom of those looks like a 30 or 40 round magazine, but it's it's not because the cartridges are so large. So yeah, those are good. And and again, if they suffer from cheapo, hard to get magazines, you know, cheaply constructed but yet expensive and hard to get then you know uh I, I don't know that they're the best answer a good pump shotgun you can find them cheap cheap not cheap you can find them inexpensively in in a lot of gun shops especially where there's a lot of waterfowling and guys are upgrading their guns um, you can probably find some and then have it have a gunsmith modify the the barrel down to 18 inches and put a magazine extension on it if you want and you'll have a very very good defense weapon so um, that's how, how I kinda look at it there but they do look cool and uh... it'd be worth having one just as a range toy With right now it would be a range toy for me until it was definitely proven reliable okay do muzzle brakes work on rifles uh... the answer is yes um, for larger heavy recoiling rifles they they certainly have a benefit the the more moderate Howard cartridges for cartridges in the 30-06 class and lower you're not going to see a tremendous benefit and I know there are some YouTube videos where they, they got they got these things hooked onto cradles and it measures and and all the rest of that but the felt recoil of those is is very small and I can use I can use my 6.5 Creedmoor rifle the one I've talked about before as an example Uh, it's a heavy it's a heavy rifle the cartridge does not generate a lot of recoil and I will tell you that I could have the muzzle threaded and put it on there and it would look serious it would look very cool and it would be badass but I don't because number one I don't want the rifle messed with because it's wonderfully accurate for me right now so I want to keep it that way and I don't want to risk or compromise it by uh, um, putting on some sort of a um, muzzle device which could change barrel harmonics and and you know wreck the accuracy that I have so I don't want to deal with any of that the other thing is uh, uh, there is no free lunch and the people who are beside you or next to you um, will get the the unwelcome benefit and the unwelcome presence of your muzzle brake so I don't do it for that reason also I mean I just I don't need it it would look cool but I don't need it now if I had a 338 Lapua or something I, that that would be a, a, an entirely different matter okay ooh, what is the best cartridge for a lever action rifle well it depends what you're using it for if you're using it for home defense, I would say the 38 Special 357 is a great cartridge. Any of the small pistol carbine cartridges are good for home defense. Or good just for, you know, if you if you have some outdoor property and you're going to be shooting at 50 to 75 yards. Those are all fine. I think the best cartridge, all-around cartridge, is, again, 3030, 30 a very pedestrian choice but a choice that that really makes a lot of sense. When the 3030 came out, it was kind of a it's this is hard to believe these days, but it was kind of a hot cartridge. People thought, "Wow, this is flat shooting and all the rest of it." Now, it's it's not considered any of those things. Um, but out to 200 yards, it's a respectable, very respectable cartridge. Um, power, accuracy. So a 3030 is still a great cartridge to use for not only game but also for uh uh defense i mean it's it's just it's nice it's a good it's a good compromise and a good cartridge okay here is another question let me flip my page here do you have experience with modern henry rifles um no i do not because i kind of i don't want to say what i really want to say is i consider them the high point of of rifles um i realize that's a very harsh indictment so i really don't mean that literally what i actually mean is i've never liked the styling of the i'm not talking about the reproductions of the 1860 henry i'm talking about henry like the henry big boy and the henry i forget what they call it maybe it's the henry little boy the 22 i don't know um i've never cared for their styling and that's a personal choice i think they function just fine uh the big boy the 44 caliber one and i think they even have a 4570 version now which would probably be probably be pretty cool but uh, i never liked it i don't like the the kind of that that weird brass receiver with the big screw heads on it um never turned me on never liked it um would never spend my money on it that personal choice other people who have them if they like them um i say go for it you know it's it's yours and i know they're legal for cas cowboy action shooting and you know if you need just a beater rifle that you're going to take to matches and you know it's going to get banged around in the cart and banged around on on the shooting course eh, it's probably fine for that i mean i wouldn't if I were doing that, I would probably consider one as just a working gun to do that. Um, but I think Winchester, Marlin, and a few other people have made some really nice, uh, or at least better lever guns that I would that I would rather have. So uh, I don't care for them at all. Don't have any experience with them. Don't want any, and that's that's it. Okay, is black powder shooting a quote boomer unquote thing guy who asked me that doesn't believe that it is but he did ask that question of kind of why do people associate that and i don't know why younger shooters do not like black powder black powder is very cool and it's fun um, you know a lot of times we lose track of the fact that shooting should be fun and there's nothing better than a warm afternoon And I'm going to do it this fall. I'm going to take a nice fall afternoon and, you know, shooting maybe 50 or 100 rounds uh, through a cap-and-ball pistol or cap-and-ball pistols. Usually after about 20 to 30 rounds, you have to kind of stop and clean them because of all the uh, um, debris and and, uh, all the the, uh, residue that builds up. But, you know, I I sometimes will take three of them out and and shoot them, and you can get almost 100 rounds that way. It's a lot of fun. Um, You know, it's very relaxing. It's just relaxing to do. You kind of take your time, do it, and uh, public ranges can be a little problematic that way, especially the ones with time limits and all that. But um, if you have a place where you can just go out and shoot in the country, just set up your table and, you know, set up your, your targets and have a good time and a lot of people who are new shoot new to shooting or don't have experience with guns are fascinated by them people are fascinated by black powder guns um sometimes even more so than modern guns it, it's just that that touching of history the the smell of the powder the kind of the boom you know it has that it has that resounding boom as opposed to the crack you know it's um it's a lot of the the holsters and you know the kind of the leather and the accoutrements that go with black powder the whole process of watching it go i I am not a muzzle loader rifle or shotgun guy i don't do that Uh, i shoot black powder cartridge in rifles that's fun too you know you get that same kind of boom but cap and ball revolvers i really they're just enjoyable to shoot and you know i have toyed with the idea on the as a working gun i've i've got a cap and ball revolver i could use to do that and i would carry that around i would carry it around i, I have not yet done so because i'm still having the uh uh love affair with the 45 auto rim and um keeping that as a as a um, you know gun that i really enjoy going to and using but i would use 36 caliber cap and ball. I mean if you see a snake you could you could definitely deal with that. Now of course once you're done with your five six shots you're you're done. You know you're, there's no quick reload. There is no magazine that reloads that but um, it's, they're a lot of fun and uh, new shooters like them. A lot of people who normally wouldn't gravitate towards guns when they see when they kind of get the sense of the historical aspect. They, um, you know, it's a way to bring people in. At least have people who understand the gun culture a little bit, even if they come in through the historical, through the historical aspect of it. is is probably a very, very good thing. So, I would be, um, I I, would, I don't think it's a boomer thing. I think a lot of younger people will pick up on it. I think especially especially if am if fire ammo be, keeps getting expensive and keeps you know and and the the supply kind of you know ebbs and flows um i think i definitely think that black powder could be something that enjoys a a bit of a renaissance and so certainly the guns are a little less expensive and they they're not cheap to shoot they used to be really cheap to shoot they're not really cheap to shoot but they work out they work out so it's a good deal i enjoy i really enjoy black powder shooting oh so that brings us to an end as i come down to the end of my notes that brings us to an end of this episode of old school guns our 113th episode And again, as I said at the beginning of the cast, if you have questions or comments, you can leave them in the uh, comments section on Podbean. Or you can email them to me at kbmakel at aol.com. That's kbmakel at aol.com. So until next time, this is Old School Guns, out.